0: Hi, everyone. We're going to be spending some time in God's Word together. So find your Bible and this time turn to Genesis chapter 16. We've been in this series for a little while now, where we've been looking at Abraham and Sarah and uh, the journey of faith that they went on and how God brought about a new beginning uh, through them that would ultimately bless the whole world. Uh, And we're going to look at the next part today. So Genesis uh, chapter 16. And I'll read from verse one all the way through. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Now, I'll tell you what, actually, we'll pause there and I'll, I'll read other sections to the same chapter as we, uh, as we go through. Uh, so we've been seeing this uh, exciting, sometimes dramatic account of God bringing about this new beginning uh, for Abraham and Sarah. God spoke to Abraham Um, And told him to go told him to leave his father's household uh, and travel to a new land where God would make uh, them into a great nation uh, a nation that would ultimately bless the whole world massive promises that called forth a response from them a response of obedience and worship and now they're in it they're living a life of faith in God trusting his word Uh, Through I suppose the ups and downs and the uncertainties of life and there there have been some downs There have been some challenges and there have been some encouraging times as well and perhaps in most recent chapters we've seen some of those encouragements where uh, Abraham in particular is a is an example of of courageous faith going to rescue Lot uh, back in chapter uh, 14 refusing to compromise uh, with other kings and nations around uh, kind of boldly worshiping and declaring his allegiance to God and uh, chapter 15 we've seen another profound encounter between Abraham and uh, and God this conversation between them where God has given further assurances and promises uh, Abraham could really say I've met with God you know there are these there are these high points there are these positive encouraging, Uh, stories and and episodes and lessons uh, to learn. There are also challenges. There are also parts when they're not doing so well in their faith. Their faith is being tested. Ultimately, that's a good thing, Um, but it's uncomfortable and it leads to some messy moments. And you could say that of chapter 16 no no human character comes out of this with like a glowing uh, a glowing reference it brings about uh, It brings to our attention The challenge the challenge particularly of living in between promise And fulfillment living with amazing promises, but not seeing them fulfilled uh, Straight away can create a kind of tension. None of us Really, I don't think enjoy waiting you know, waiting just one day can sometimes be a little bit uh, awkward. I was recently uh, making an online purchase and I ordered three items. and I was told as I went through to the delivery options that I could receive some of them the very next day uh, and, and one of them the day after. Alternatively, I could wait and receive them all the day after and then they'd come as one package, safe packaging. Uh, Delivery drivers just making the one journey to our front door—that kind of thing. So I thought, well, uh, well, that's the option that makes sense, really. The, the second option, the the slight extra delay of just one more day to wait. Oh, but I really just wanted to press. I want I want things as soon as possible. We want things as soon as possible. So it feels awkward uh, to wait. It can feel awkward to wait for for a few weeks sometimes. Um, As a household, uh, we have been living for a while in between Uh, the promise of getting two new guinea pigs and Actually the fulfillment we we uh, we made the decision. We're gonna get two new guinea pigs But you know what? Uh, We encountered a city-wide Shortage so there's been uncertainty on the one hand as you might imagine if you uh, are familiar with our household. Yeah An excitement about what's going to happen, but that excitement kind of gets mixed in with anxiety. When's it going to happen? How's it exactly going to happen? Making different phone calls uh, to different pet shops and so on to find out there is uh, a bit of a shortage. Uh, Just one of the things, one one problem uh, that the pandemic has uh, intensified. So that might not be a big headline for you guys, but that's been a headline in our household. I'm glad to say the wait is now. Over and we're the proud new owners of two lovely little guinea pigs um, But that middle time it's a little bit Awkward I described it there as a mix between excitement uh, and anxiety um, And I think in some ways that's what's happening right now in the UK There's a, a, there's a mixture of excitement. Maybe relief is a better word um, as, as lockdown um, eases a bit we gain a few more uh, freedoms Um, a higher percentage of the population is vaccinated, and so on. There's reasons to be uh, cheerful in a measured way, but that is mixed in with some anxiety. Maybe some of us are feeling a bit anxious about the very fact that life is opening up. We may not have really enjoyed the past 12 months, but um, I would just observe, even just driving out, being out in public, I've witnessed more examples of like, Drivers properly losing their temper. I think what's going on? We're, we're kind of In that strange in-between and experiencing tension and maybe feeling impatient with other people Whilst as much as we might be excited to be out and about a bit more So there is a bit of a current tension bless Sarah. She has been living in between Promise and fulfillment not for an extra day uh, not for a few weeks or for 12 months, but for 10 Years she has been living with Abraham living with these amazing promises. She's gone on the same journey I believe she's been exercising uh, the same faith. You know, imagine the time Abraham says to her I've heard God speak and it's time to move and she says Okay, I'm with you. Let's go for it. And we don't know exactly what she said those parts aren't recorded, but she's they've been together on this uh, journey and um now 10 years on living with this promise of becoming parents to a nation that blesses the whole world um there's a bit of weariness there's some tension you can uh, the passage that we'll read through there's tension in the family there's tension is between them as a couple and in their household and uh it 's not easy it 's not straightforward. faith gets tested. we know that from earlier chapters of the same uh, the same book, but here we are again now as we 're uh, listening in as we're reading Genesis chapter sixteen, um, many of us anyway, I guess we know how the story concludes but you just got to remember they 're in the middle of it they they are living it, and uh, it's it 's yet to become clear exactly how things are going to unfold that 's What we experience too in a different way. That's why we live by faith. We don't see everything as it will be Um, We see it by faith, but we don't see it with our eyes yet Uh, So we know something of the tension of living um, In between now I said all these characters in this chapter. They don't come out brilliantly. Well in this chapter bear in mind though that sarah Sarah's life her example is one that the new testament uh, commends Uh, We're we're encouraged. Actually, there's a place in in 1 Peter chapter 3 where her example is um, highlighted. It's actually addressing wives um, and talking about kind of godly, uh, unfading beauty. Um, uh, It says this in in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah and on it goes. But that phrase there, this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God uh, made themselves beautiful. There's something about Sarah which we're told she was beautiful. And some of that beauty is this inner beauty that was shining through because she had learned in her heart to put her hope in God. God and not give way to fear that's the challenge when we're living in between promise and fulfillment not to give way not to give our hearts over to fear when things seem out of control and so on now in chapter 16 it kind of serves as a negative example this is this is what this is I guess where she learned and it was a hard lesson uh, to learn Um, what comes about when we we aren't kind of overcoming um, in this life of faith so those verses that i read out we see first of all um sarah's focus on her on herself rather than god living in between promise and fulfillment after 10 years and again you can we can imagine can't we that perhaps every month for 10 years she's thinking is now the time no Is now the time? No. Uh, She's grown weary, and in that weariness, she's drifted from focusing on God and focusing on God's promise and focusing on God's faithfulness and his power, even though they haven't seen the fulfilment yet, uh, to focusing on herself. It even comes across in what she says to her husband, the Lord has kept me from having children. A hint of, or maybe more than a hint Of Bitterness and frustration the Lord. What has he done? He's done nothing. He has kept me from having children So she comes up with this suggestion to her husband go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her so her focus is on Herself Her focus then is on her own efforts her own ideas her own wisdom God hasn't brought about this great new promise. So the thinking goes and perhaps we can identify with this. I'm gonna to have to take matters into my own hands Maybe I've been too passive in my faith. Now. I have to do something We might hear or read the suggestion that she makes and just think that's a crazy idea what on earth are you playing at? That's obviously got disaster all written all over it. And yet, from their point of view, culturally, and in terms of uh, how God's wisdom had been revealed up until that point, it wasn't like they were uh, disobeying um, a a revealed command from the Lord um, that culturally would have been acceptable. It wouldn't be as though many people would have uh, had a sharp intake of breath and, and taken them aside and said, what do you think you're playing at? Uh, That would have been uh, a culturally permissible way of building uh, a family But it's not God's way Uh, Now we might think, well, what does that have to do with us? uh, Living now and exercising faith uh, in the New Covenant um, Faith in Jesus. Well, you know what? Sometimes the same thing can happen, not precisely the same, but someone comes to faith and their focus is on God And they're absolutely delighted. Life isn't always easy, but they have this burning, inexpressible, glorious joy I've received from God, in the name of Jesus, a new life, a new destiny, a new inheritance I've been forgiven all my sin and there's just so much uh, joy and delight And and that's what's happening through the Middle East um, as the gospel spread and new communities of faith uh, emerged uh, that couldn't be uh, repressed by uh, the Roman Empire and so on. Uh, f- faith just blossomed even in the midst of persecution and so on. after a few years though, and maybe sometimes particularly for uh, for people who've then ex- started to experience, Uh, persecution and challenge in life, they're thinking this life is awkward, have we made a bit of a mistake? And there's a drift. Maybe you can be a believer for around 10 years and just spiritually the focus shifts from God and the wonder of who he is and his promises and it shifts with a pinch of cynicism and a hint of bitterness It shifts to a focus on us. It shifts to a focus on our own efforts, our own wisdom, what we can do, what we can bring about. And uh, uh, Paul addresses the church in in Galatia uh, with a challenge in this regard, because it's what's happened for them. So I'm just going to read Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Are you so foolish? He writes. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? It's trying to wake them up. He's trying to get them to remember, look, you, you've drifted. Think back. Don't lose that focus. You need to regain that focus on God and just the wonder of being his. And trust his faithfulness. Trust his timing. It says elsewhere in Galatians, at just the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, God sent Jesus into the world. God is always on time he's never flustered he's not in a hurry he's never dragging his feet he's sovereign and he's in control and he knows the right time he's not slow in keeping his promises as we understand slowness it says in 2 peter yeah he, he's patient he is working through his plans and purposes for his people for the blessing of the whole world sometimes from our limited human perspective, we're thinking, oh, God, would you just hurry up? But we've got the scripture to help us to keep our eyes, keep our hearts, keep our minds focused, not on ourselves, not on what we really want. Yeah, I think that's maybe, what was that, maybe that's what happened for Sarah. She was so focused on what she wanted to be holding in her arms, a new baby she lost her focus on the god who had given the promise in the first place with that with that lack of uh, focus on the lord there's there's no hint of Abraham and sarah kind of coming together to pray and seek god like maybe A- Abraham has done personally you know guys it's so easy to do isn't it uh, to have moments of kind of victory and encounter with god um Areas of life where we've felt, oh, I've made a real difference, get home, tired, and then we're not expressing faith, or we're not leading in faith um, in the context of marriage and family life. And uh, it can feel awkward. I, well, maybe we could pray, but oh, I'm not sure I see the point. Yeah, let's, you know, just put the television on. Let's, let's just try and forget about the problem, shall we? Uh, we see in Abraham here, uh, passivity, really. Not taking, not taking the lead at all Um, And Sarah's fearful suggestion setting the agenda This for them as a couple was an opportunity Even though it was painful to draw near to God So when we are experiencing the pain And the frustration of living in between promise and fulfilment, we're not in control of exactly the time frame of how life works and, 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 and when God brings about certain blessings and so on. When we're living in between, let's try and see it as an opportunity by faith to draw near to God. To get to know him better, to present our requests to him, to find faith, to find grace for the situations in which we are Uh, living so we see that focus on self which becomes uh, well we see how it manifests itself in the next few verses Uh, so partway through verse four when she knew this is talking of hagar when she knew she was pregnant she began to despise her mistress then sarai said to Abraham, you're responsible for the wrong i'm suffering i put my servant in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant she despises me May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai ill-treated Hagar, so she fled from her. This is a tough and ugly moment. With that focus on self rather than God, Abraham and Sarai very quickly stop caring about others uh, in their midst. There is a profound and potentially uncomfortable challenge uh, right here. Maybe in how we think of others and, and how we treat others, it's possible to turn inward if we're dealing with uh, disappointments and delay and, uh, and being locked down a bit as well has perhaps magnified this. It could just be a tendency to to think about me and my world and what's going on inside and to, to lose a sense of care uh, for others in our midst. Now you see that here. We, we know Hagar's name, the scripture tells us that's, that's included in the, in the narration, but you, you don't see Sarai or Abraham use her name. You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms. Uh, Sarah says Abraham responds your servants in your hands do whatever you think best um, so from from their point of view she's a no-name she's a nobody she's a person who can be picked up and used and then potentially just discarded the result of it is Sarah chooses to ill-treat her now one one might imagine that uh that Hagar becoming pregnant realizes she has a, a An Elevated status now. She's more important than she used to be Um, and maybe through uh, Looks or comments or all sorts. She's making life a little bit awkward for Sarah. Maybe that's just Mainly Sarah's perception. It's difficult uh, Difficult to know we can imagine there is real friction But we can see this total disregard as though it's okay To treat Hagar badly and you think how bad must have it must it have got for a pregnant servant to run away by herself and end up I think she tries to retrace her steps in the direction of Egypt she's traveling through a wilderness You think how bad must it have got how badly treated was she and sometimes maybe through through church history and recent times if the church of Jesus Christ develops an introspective kind of perspective, we're just tending to think about ourselves, we're focusing on ourselves Um, then the church can become uncaring very quickly and there are people the world over who just think well to all intents and purposes they have no name from our point of view you know is there anyone you're tempted to think I can just use them and ignore them they're not they're not the people of promise they're not really part of this little club They've just been hanging around the fringe, if you like. It doesn't really matter. Now, I'm sure not many of us would would think or say that starkly. But that's the kind of thing that can creep in. So there's that sense of putting the focus on God is so important. Because by putting the focus on God, it helps us. To bless others, you know, loving God and loving our neighbour. We kind of bang on about it at the beginning of every meeting, don't we? Why? Well, because that is a New Testament vision for how we're to live life. That's what Jesus mandates. That's what Jesus encourages. That's what the church in the New Testament was living for. Loving God and loving others. Uh, Not falling in love with ourselves and just looking after our own ego. Uh, let's not allow there to be any non-persons in our thinking just because we, th- we elevate ourselves because we think, well, we've got the promises, we're special, we're significant, God's on our side. Well, let's see how God responds to this uh, situation. I'll, I'll read up to uh, verse 14. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahe Roy, It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. This this is a beautiful, a beautiful moment. We could imagine, if we were writing the story, we might imagine God's response being something like this. You know, it, it comes to light. No one can find Hagar. She's gone. She's fled. And maybe there's some people thinking, oh, thank goodness. Abraham-Sarai could have thought that. Maybe they did conduct a search. Maybe that was a bit of a cursory glance around the nearby neighbourhood. No, no, I can't. I can't see her anywhere. And we might imagine God at that point coming and, and putting his arm around Abraham and put his arm around Sarai and say, Look, guys, this wasn't your best moment, was it? And they agree. No, it really, it really wasn't. So, you know, learn, learn the lesson. Let's not get into this trouble again. Let's not do this again. Um, Well, should we go and find Hagar? No, it's best left left alone, I'm sure she'll find somewhere And maybe we'd expect that Maybe for Abraham and Sarai that would have been, dare I say it, the more convenient thing Let's just move on from this sorry chapter But you know, God doesn't do that, he doesn't operate in that way Just because he has chosen Abraham and Sarah for this special privileged position full of promise and encounter and bringing about this blessed new beginning for a new nation that's going to bless the whole world. Just because he's chosen them, and he's not going to change his mind, just because he's chosen them from that doesn't mean that he kind of dismisses Hagar and is unconcerned. What does the Lord do? And it is the, the angel of the Lord. This is um, a mysterious appearance of God himself. That's how special this moment is. It's impossible, as it were, to distinguish um, uh, the angel of the Lord. Um, is it just an angel? Is it is it God himself? You know, Hagar can say, I've seen God. I've seen God who sees me. So she comes away from that encounter knowing who she's met with. It's it's awesome That's what God does. God's response is to go to her. Did you see how the angel of the Lord does call her by name? And did you see even there are some similarities in what God says to her to what was very said at the beginning to Abraham It's not the same You know, the same promise, the same blessing isn't promised to the whole world and so on, but there's an instruction. In this instance, it's go back. And also, there's promise Um, I will increase your descendants so that they will be too numerous to count. And that promise is what enables her to go back. Well, she decides to trust God. On the basis of believing, well, if, if my descendants can become too numerous to count, I guess that means I am going to be okay. I'm going to return. It's, it's awesome to see God at work. God's heart for the unloved. God's heart for those right on the edge. Even God's heart for those at the moment, not carrying the promise, but God still wants to bless. God still wants to do good. God's heart is still for the whole world. So, of course, he's going to be faithful to his promises to Abraham and Sarah. He's not changed his mind through through them and ultimately through Jesus. There will be blessing for the whole world. But he cares for the whole world. That's the whole point. He cares for every family under the sun. And that's the lesson to learn here. God is not brushing this episode under the carpet like it's some inconvenience god cares he cares deeply and then we see the conclusion to the story so uh, in verse 15 so hagar bore abraham a son and abraham gave the name ishmael to the son she had born abraham was 86 years old when hagar bore him ishmael for sarah i think this is this is painful she'd hoped to build a family through through this means through this plan of hers that involved Hagar notice in those final few few verses Sarah's not mentioned at all this is not to do with Sarah she's not build they're not going to build a family this way this is not the way in which uh, God's promise is going to come about that's that was tough that must have been painful for her and yet we can learn the lesson when thinking about how do we live in between promise and fulfillment well, he's, Put your hope in God. We might be led through painful times. Possibly the pain is realising the consequences of our own bad decisions. When we've lived life all by our own effort, our own wisdom, our own energy and our own ideas, and then realised, oh, it wasn't that good an idea at all. We've lived in that way and we've had to live with the consequences, maybe even perhaps, as this family had to do. But God hasn't changed. God is faithful. There is a way to live by faith and put our trust in him, not to give way to fear. In other words, that's what's happening perhaps all around us. Fear begets control. Control leads to aggression and frustration and impatience. And that starts to seep out of people, seep seep out of us. Well, let's be be different. Let's put our hope in God, as Sarah learned to do. Let's trust God. That's going to bring about in us, as God's people, a beauty, a spiritual inner beauty that the world cannot understand. The beauty of a people having a gentle spirit, living with a sense of peace even though we experience the same tensions, we experience the same frustrations, we experience delays and disappointments and uncertainty, we live between promise and fulfillment but we do have amazing promises and we're looking forward to the most amazing fulfillments to come by being part of God's kingdom. Let's put our hope in God.